That show is a comedy like friggin' Schindler's List is a comedy, okay? Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the Ryan Seacrest of people, my brother Mike. Hey, adorable, always has work, not so memorable, anybody's really going to remember him. That's pretty much what I always want to be. Am I right? <laughs> I look at this dude and I just think to myself, like, that. I, I can't see him as like a person. I don't know what it is, yeah. but he, he almost... Maybe because of his fame or how shiny he always looks or something. I don't know. It just it, it he always appears like a like he's a like one of those like dogs. Like he's a little lab doll. grown like, people. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's like mm-hmm. a lab grown person. Yeah, uh, you're kind of similar in that way. Except somehow your lab something went horribly yeah. wrong. I was one you know of the uh, like the cast offs. You know? One of the old uh, yeah. defectives. Yeah. You're like <laughs> you're cast off Ryan Seacrest. There we you're, go. Uh, yeah. You're the gunk that was sort of, you know, was, was, was messing up the test tube or something. Uh, yeah. Anyway, on this week's episode, we'll look back at the start of the second half. We're three games into the post all-star break period here for the Royals. We'll look back at that uh, three games. Uh, we'll finish our discussion of the 2023 MLB draft. We uh, never got around to talking about rounds three through 20. We talked about the first and second round live on last week's episode. So if you want to go back and check that out, uh, but we'll finish that talk and we'll have Preston Farr uh, joining us for that as well, which is great. Great minor league Royals writer, putting out a lot of really good stuff. Uh, and then we'll preview this week's slate of games. But first, Royals Weekly is brought to you by Nap Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Um, I'm going to go with stuffed crust pizza. Uh, no. How about double stuffed crust pizza? I knew you'd go with something that was filled with cheese, but no. Uh, securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nap Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nap Family Wealth is run by JC Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead, education planning so your kids learn to read good, investment management so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. We'll start the review of last week with roster news, as we always do. Uh, the Royals had some, well, mixed things happening with the roster this last week. Uh, I didn't add the one that happened today, but we'll talk a little bit about it. On really great news, really good heartening news, Ryan Yarbrough returned from the 60-day IL and has pitched once, at least for the Royals. I think just once. Oh, yeah, because we hit the All-Star break and he couldn't pitch again. And so... Uh, it was great. He, you'll remember, he took a very hard line drive right off his face, had some skull fracturing, facial fracture type stuff. Mike, what are your thoughts on getting Yarbrough back into the rotation, get, or at least getting him back on the pitching staff? Well, first, just great for him because that's one of the scariest things I've seen, you know, on on a baseball field. And so uh, great to see him back, and great to have a guy like Ryan Yarbrough. You know, when when the Royals were really good, they had a guy like Ryan Yarbrough and Chris Young uh, from the right side completely different pitcher in a sense in that they look very different. They throw very differently, but both soft tossing guys that are really going to be more like long relievers. And I think Ryan Yarbrough has shown that he can do that. Interesting. I love to see it because he pitched great in his return 
And this rotation is not fully settled right now just because of injuries and ineffectiveness and a whole, whole bunch of other things. Ryan Yarbrough has an opportunity here to go out and throw some innings, some valuable innings. And whether or not he's starting or getting long relief work, I think he can be a really effective pitcher in this on this team. Now, that's all like a, a real curve. We're grading on a big time curve when it comes to judging the people who might pitch in this on this staff. But I like that Yarbrough can mix things up. I like what he's done so far since he's come back. Good on you, Ryan Yarbrough. I would not want to stand 60 feet, six inches from a hitter after taking a ball like that off the face, but he seems brave enough to just jump right back in there. In other news, other pitcher related news, the Royals have designated Amir Garrett for assignment. They DFA'd him like a week, week and a half ago. I was under the impression, or at least I thought that they would try and find a trade partner for Garrett. He's having a pretty good year. He still has good stuff. He's a lefty. You can usually move those guys. They were unable to find a trade partner and they outright released him this week, I think. Or maybe they, that, that's like a, maybe they've, uh, I don't know, the complicated rules, but he might have a chance to go to the minors with them. I doubt he would accept such a thing, he won't. but we'll see. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on the loss of Amir Garrett, the DFAing of him? Um, I, I'm actually not all that surprised. There were some people saying like, oh, they're DFA'd him, but they're still going to find a trade partner for him before he clears waivers or does any of that sort of stuff. I, I was not surprised that he they did not trade him because, like, yes, his ERA was good. And this is a great example of where ERA can be really, really tricky. But nobody who watched Amir Garrett pitch this year thought he was doing all that well. He was walking way too many guys and then, you know, kind of getting lucky here and there, getting some outs that maybe would kind of surprise you. He he wasn't right. And so, you know, it doesn't surprise me. I hope he goes on and does some great things. I think he has the stuff to do that, to be a good relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. But he he needs to throw more strikes. He needs to throw a lot more strikes if he wants to be effective. And he just wasn't getting it done. So, you know, I hope he does well. Bring up somebody else. You know, now we get to see Jonathan Heasley uh, and some other guys, Max Castillo. We'll see other, some of those other guys in the bullpen. So I'm ready to see them. Uh, no no uh, hard feelings to Amir Garrett. I hope he goes to, on to do wonderful things. But uh, he needed a new place. Bad. Well, he's probably going to get one because he'll be just free for anyone to take at this point. Uh, I'm a little surprised they couldn't get a trade partner just because, I mean, it's so easy to find trade partners for relievers, even bad ones. Like, it's not that hard. And so I'm a little surprised that they didn't get one, but it's not that huge a deal. They weren't going to get any sort of major return for him anyway. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is, as the kids say. Uh a guy who was called up, an interesting call up recently, a guy, a guy who we got for a reliever, Cole Reagans was called up today to be the 27th, or yesterday, sorry, yesterday, to be the 27th man in the Royals doubleheader on Saturday. He started their second game. Mike, what did you see from Cole Reagans out there? What do you think about him making his Royals debut? I was shocked and extremely happy with what he was able to do. I watched at least part of maybe all of uh, one of his starts in Omaha and didn't quite see what we saw there. Now I saw the good stuff when he was in Omaha and I was very happy with it, but throwing 98 and 99 miles an hour with the fastball um, was really, really good. Now he, he had some trouble putting guys away. And so his pitch count kind of got up. I thought Alex Duvall of Royals farm report did a great job comparing him to Danny Duffy. And in those kind of years when Danny Duffy was really good, there were still time starts when he would, he had trouble putting guys away. And so I think that was kind of where Cole uh, Reagan's was, but I, I really like what he is. I wish he would throw the, the change up a little bit more. I think that could help him out a little bit, but the fastball was on another level uh, the other day. And, and I I'm on board to continue seeing that for the rest of the second half. 
Yeah, I loved the stuff. I mean, humping it up there 97 to 98 consistently and then occasionally touching 99, that's super impressive from a starter. Love to see that. Uh, I do want to see if they end up doing something with uh, his fourth pitch. He throws a cutter right now. He throws a fastball, curve, or changeup. Those are his two best pitches. Curveball and a cutter. The cutter is his worst pitch. I do wonder if they're going to try and change that at some point in the offseason or maybe while he's in the minor leagues or something because he did go back. We'll see how long he's, he's down there. Uh, but see if eventually they try and change that to more of a slider or a sweeper to really gain more of a distinction for him because his cutter's really not very good. The numbers against it are pretty bad for him. And so we'll see how that ends up turning out. But I love to see the stuff from him. He just came out and looked real confident, throwing fastballs up in the zone, blowing it by guys. It was really, really nice to see. Uh, a couple other tidbits of roster news, and then we'll get into the review more earnestly. Uh, Edward Olivares went on the 10-day IL. I think he's already down for a rehab assignment, so he should be back for too long. On a sad note, Josh Stalmont was put on the 60-day IL, and it said that he's going to be done for the season with thoracic outset, outlet syndrome. He's going to have to have surgery for that. Hard to hear for him, a guy who's really struggled with injuries over the course of his career, uh, hoping for good things for him. Best of luck on that for him. Uh, on the field, the Royals went one and two this week, playing one series against the Rays. That brings their overall record to 27 and 67. Uh, you know, they faced a very good team in the Rays. One of the games that they lost was pretty close, 4-2. Really, their offense couldn't get anything going in those two losses. Mike, what did you think of that opening series against the Rays here? Honestly, I was somewhat excited for a series that you lose um, just because of the starts from Marsh and Reagans. That was really great. And then today with the offense that, that they were able to show, that was really good to see too. Bobby looks like he's carrying over some of that stuff that we saw at the end of the first half, which is really promising. So, you know, we still need more from the lineup. We still need the lineup to be deeper, but it was promising because of Marsh and Reagan's mostly. Yeah, it was great to see uh, some strong pitching performances there, but that lineup really has to play better if we're going to win some, win more games. We did have some strong performers in the lineup because mostly they went off today in today's game. Mike, tell us who you liked uh, on, for as a strong performer this week. Man, and we talked about this, I think, maybe a week or two ago. Drew Waters was good this week, four for 10 with a home run, a triple, three strikeouts and a walk. Now he's got it, and I think I said this exact same thing a week or two ago. He's got to keep the strikeouts down. That's going to be the big kind of indicator for Drew Waters if he can be a special piece in this lineup. But he can be your, he might be able to be your everyday center fielder. Now, he won't be the defender that Kyle Isbell is, but he can be your everyday center fielder and a switch hitter in your lineup hitting every single day. You know, if he's sitting seven, eight, something like that, that's a really good guy in the seven, eight hole. So if Drew Waters can keep that stuff up, we got ourselves a permanent piece for the lineup. Um, he just has to keep those strikeout numbers down. That's it. And he's, and he's a complete major league uh, hitter. Yeah. I'm talking about another guy who needs, who's been keeping the strikeout numbers down lately. And it's really just changed his whole offensive outlook. And that's Bobby Witt jr. He's my strong performer for this week. He went four for 12, two home runs, one double, one triple, two strikeouts. Both of those guys hit a triple and a home run today. Uh, Drew Waters, Bobby Witt jr. And it's, it's, it's really night and day. I mean, Fangraphs put on an article the other day that was like, breakout hitters of the second half. And one of them was Bobby Wood Jr. He was the top one. I put out a thing that was like breakout hitters of the second half for the Royals. He's my number one too. You can just see it. The approach is different. The swing is slightly adjusted to get more loft. He is a dude who is going to take off in the second half, hopefully. Praying he stays healthy, praying everything goes smoothly. But man, it looks like he could really, really take off here in the second half. Not everybody sh shown this week. Is it shown? Shined? I think it's shown. Shined? It, shined? It, it, I don't 
Not everybody was a sparkling superstar this week. Mike, who was your week performer for uh, last week for the Royals? Uh, Colin Snyder was a sparkling, some kind of dump is what he was. Uh, no offense to the man himself, but Colin Snyder came up and did something I don't know if I've ever seen before. He walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. He did outside not of major straight. league. I've never seen such a thing <laughs> outside of Bob Uecker going ball four, ball eight, ball 12. <laughs> Uh, I, I've never seen it. So, uh, yeah, he did not have a great week with one inning pitched and three earned runs. He's already been sent back down. Um, yeah, I don't know if Colin Snyder's ever going to come back up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see on that one. My week performer is a guy who I still really like in terms of his prospects. He won't get sent back down. That's Michael Garcia. He went one for 11 this week. Only one strikeout, which is good to see. Good to see him keep that strikeout number down. With zero walks. He's just putting a few too many balls on the ground right now. I think he's a guy who's he's the type of hitter because he doesn't hit it all that hard. He doesn't have all that much power, especially when it comes to launch angle. He's really got to find that uh, that that right launch angle, that, that line drive launch angle, and keep those line drive numbers really high. And so it's tough for him because the profile says he should be trying – uh, hit line drives the most, probably ground balls the second most if he can. Now that's never going to be the case, but you know he has to keep the ball out of the air to some degree. Um, but you really, it's, it's it's a little bit of a fine needle for him to thread. He's been doing a great job of it so far, but he had a rough week last week. Mike, it's a very short week; it's only three games. But what kind of theme were you coming up with for those three games? A pitching daylight is my theme. Like you can kind of see a little bit of daylight in this rotation going. Hey, is Marsh going to be a bright spot? Can Reagan's be a bright spot? If they can, then you've got two fifths of your rotation figured out for next year. You probably throw in Brady Singer again, hoping he takes a step forward. You don't want, I mean, you really don't want the same Brady Singer back there again. I mean, don't get me wrong. The pitcher he is now is, is probably good enough to be in a major league rotation, but it's not what the Royals need. And so you, maybe you've got two, three spots already spoken for, for next year. If, Marsh and Reagans can be the Martian Reagans that we saw this week uh, moving forward. That was really, really fun to watch and really good to see. My theme for this week is risk. I hope reward. We saw them take the big risks in the draft last week, and it is a risk to some degree to play the young, a bunch of young players as their team has been doing all year, because you know, sometimes you're going to get great games like they had today. And sometimes you're going to get not great games like they had in the first game of that Tampa Bay series. And so what I hope we see is a big reward from these guys gaining this type of experience and from the types of players that they took in the draft last week. Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one -on -one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. You know she was drafted second overall behind Randy Macho Man Savage back in 1977. The excellent specialized care she got back at all in physical therapy had her back to being active in no time. 80 grade throat rip from mom. She can just, she can <laughs> you know, end your life in just one. You know, Randy Macho Man Savage was, did actually play minor league baseball. Just throwing that out there. I've heard. Uh, I've actually heard. All that, in physical yeah. therapy knows how to help athletes Brother. recover. <laughs> it's owned and operated by Lisa Mitzo, Tommy Freebert, a former arena league football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit. So get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do the, your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. 
On this week's spotlight segment, we're fi- we'll finish our discussion of the 2023 MLB draft. On draft night, we did coverage of the first and second rounds. Tonight, we'll focus on the whole of the Royals draft hall, including rounds three through 20. We are very lucky, very lucky to be joined by Preston Farr, who was also very lucky enough to be at the draft when it happened. Uh, congratulations on that and the Futures game. And did you go to the actual All-Star game too? Yep, I did. Can you guys uh, hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. You sound great. All right, cool. Yeah, I got free tickets from work, so it was a it was a crazy experience. It was really fun. Everybody's going to want to know what job you have, so that you can be like, I want that job too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're very lucky to be joined by Preston. He is doing some amazing minor league writing for the about the Royals. Check him out uh, at his is it at Royals Minor on Twitter. Preston? At Royals Miners, yeah, that's me. At Royals Miners, that's that's Preston. Uh, we'll start with a broad question for both of you guys, and Preston, you'll go first because you're the one we're really here to hear. Uh, <laughs> I want to start big picture. I would like you to describe what the Royals did in this draft as you see it. Yeah, I think the Royals, they drafted like a front office that needs to save their job somehow. That's what I think the Royals did. <laughs> they they didn't really do what I would have done. They took a lot of risk early and uh, we'll see if it pays off. I think really what they wanted to do was swing for the fences. And last year they kind of went safe in the draft this year. They went with a lot of risk, but I think if they just went safe again this year and end up in the same place we are now, there's a lot of folks that are going to be on the way out the door. So try something new, take some risks. I think that's really what we saw this year. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting point that you make because Two years ago, they did something a little bit similar, taking those high school guys early in the draft. Last year, they take Gavin Cross early and uh, Caden Wallace early. Um, you know, that's had very, we'll call it very mixed results on that. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of agree with you. I think, I think if you don't see results from the early part of this draft, I do think people, people's jobs are going to be at risk. I, I think that's really the only way you can say it, especially when industry consensus all kind of goes one way and you decide to buck that trend, you're always kind of putting yourself out there on a ledge, I guess, when you do that sort of thing. Uh, Mark, how about you? What are you thinking the Royals were, were really going for uh, in this draft? I can tell you what it says. Being willing to take on all that risk says something about how they feel about their own player development, I think, especially when you're talking about taking a lot of prep guys and a lot of prep pitchers, let's be honest. I mean, the two guys you would say like, okay, this draft is almost designed for, I would say those two guys are actually uh, Blake Walters and Hero Wyatt. Um, if somebody said, okay, what is really like the way, what shaped this whole draft for the Royals? It's those two, because I you know, they're going to overpay for Walters. Um, and it looks like, I think I heard that they, they were just going to pay a slot for Wyatt, but he's the type of guy you take a prep pitcher in the fourth round or third, third round, I think, um, you know, it, there's some there's some risk there, right? They they must think very highly of him, and so you know I, I think Preston nailed it on the head. Uh, you know this is a this is a draft for your job kind of thing because you are and you guys both made this point excellently. You're putting yourself way out there on a ledge. You're, you're saying our player development guys can work with these pitchers. They can they had success with Masakado and Caderna so far. It looks like we think they can do it again with Walters and and Wyatt. And so if that's the case, then they're going to, it's going to pay off big. And if not, uh, they might be at the winter meeting, just passing out resumes. Uh, <laughs> I want to say a, a lot was made about the risk, right? Involved and, and taking a, especially of taking a catcher in the first round, a prep catcher in the first round, they did sign Blake Mitchell for about $1.1 million under slot value. We found that out last week. How do you see that pick now that we know what the money is, Preston? 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected them to go under slot. I think most people did. There were like some whispers that had people worried that they would maybe go over slot. I'm glad that wasn't the case. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't want to just pump sunshine, but I just don't think prep catchers are really what they used to be. I think it's a little different. I mean, you have Tyler Stevenson, who, you know, he's not a, an, a superstar, but he's been pretty good for the Reds. I think he's got like a 280 career batting average. Uh, Harry Ford. Uh, Tyler Soderstrom, they're both top 50 prospects in baseball. So I think there just haven't been very many prep catchers drafted recently in the last five, six years. Um, It's super risky. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Three years from now, he may not be a catcher. We don't really know, right? I think the power, if you're just looking at the player, the power potential is off the chart. So I really like the player. It's really just, I think, the high school catcher thing that's hanging everybody up. Quick question for you here, Preston. If if he has to move away from catcher, do you see that as a as a knock on the front office for because you're losing that val- that premium position value? I don't think so. I think Harry, like Harry Ford, I mentioned, he may be a center fielder for all we know in two years, and I think the Mariners do pretty well at developing. I think it's really just that speaks more to the the raw talent that you have in the player. It's I mean Bryce Harper, he was a catcher, moved to the outfield. Blake Mitchell is not Bryce Harper, no matter what the Royals want you to believe. It's not him. But um, I think my only concern with him moving off is, yeah, you do lose that value. You lost that value with Melendez, and his bat's not carrying him enough to make up for it. So there's a lot of risk. Um, But if he can move to the outfield, he's not super fast, but he's pretty fast for a catcher. If he can move out there, the arm will play. But it's really just how how athletic is he going to be at the next level. Yeah, and that my that's my concern, right? You look at a guy like Harry Ford or MJ Melendez, uh he is uh not the athlete that those two players are in my mind. He de- he is not uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about Jason Kendall these days because of the Kyle Teal pick and he is not that guy. And so, you know, then the question becomes how good can his bat be? Because it has to play at first base or maybe right field if he's can move enough or something like that. He's not going to have any uh, premium defensive value at that point. And, you know, I know people are like, no, he's a no doubt catcher. That's what Keith Law said. Right. But the problem is I've heard that from too many people too many times to ever think, oh yeah, they know what they're talking about. And so uh, we'll see on, on the catching thing. Uh, but I love that perspective on, uh, on what he might need to do in order to, to make it as he moves forward. I want to talk a little bit about rounds four through 17 uh, because the Royals had a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? cadence to their draft. They, they drafted a prep catcher, a prep pitcher, and then a, a college guy and then, or no, yeah, then a college guy, then the prep pitcher. But then in rounds four through 17, they took entirely college players, including a few senior signings, which teams usually save money on. They, they, they pay those guys nothing. Um, the highlights of that group include Hunter Owen, Spencer Niven, Jared Dickey, what do you guys think of that group of college players? So is there anybody in there you like particularly, Preston? Uh, I really like Hunter Owen. I think at one point I was mocking him to the Royals in the second round. Um, there's a lot of reliever risk. I think this was really his first full year as a starter. So the stuff plays up really well. I think uh, Joe Doyle of Future Star Series had him as like one of the premier strikeout guys in the whole class. So I really like that pick, especially in the fourth round. I think he dropped a little just because of that risk. And then... I mean, you mentioned Jared Dickey. I think he's maybe like a Josh Reddick type at the next level. Doesn't really walk a lot, but he doesn't strike out hardly at all. And there's a lot of power to like there. Mike, what about you? 
Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also a huge Hunter Owen fan, which I think, I think uh, when we did our thing earlier, I think I said something about, um, him in the third, second or third. I think I said something yeah. about him with pick 66, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so really excited that they were able to get him. I think Dickie's a really, uh, a really good, um, player as well. I think he can, can be very, very, very good. Um, I'm also, I'm not as high on Nivens as a lot of people are. Um, but I was a big fan of, uh, Dustin Dickerson. Um, I liked him a lot. Uh, who's the other guy I really liked a lot. Sorry. I'm looking at the list right now that I thought could have a chance at being pretty good. Um, you know, I like the power potential of Trevor Warner Werner. I just, I don't know. I just don't know if he's ever going to get the approach down that we need him to. Um, seems like a very pull, a very pull. Doesn't it? Yeah. And he doesn't strike me as a great athlete at third base. Like he, he strikes me as kind of a plotting kind of guy. Um, so, you know, I like the power potential, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to play Hunter Owens, a big guy. Like, um, who was the other cat? And I, I was a big hero. Wyatt guy. I think, I think if you look back in, in four years and he doesn't get hurt, I think you're going to go Hunter. Wyatt was kind of the steal of this draft. And I know hero he came went before the fourth. Sorry. Yeah. Hero. Sorry. Hero. Wyatt. Yeah. I like Wyatt. I'll throw, I'll throw in uh Coleman Picard too. I haven't watched Star Trek, so I know that's kind of the funny reference, but uh, I did find some video on him, and he's, I mean, he's a lot like Wyatt and Walters. He's kind of a late riser. He seemed like he kind of picked up steam later in the draft class, later in the the season, I guess, but his breaking stuff looks really good, and the fastball looks pretty good. He hits 95, so it's really just durability with him. He had some shoulder issues, some rotator cuff issues, and it was his first year as a starter, so... It's another one of the, I know he's not a high school guy, but it's risk, you know, it's like, can he really pan out? I desperately hope he does because I'm going to make so many Star Trek references. It's going to be, I just can't, I can't wait. I hope he makes it. And I don't know if this is a question that you have coming later, but I'll tell you who the weirdest and maybe most interesting guy for me is. It's uh, Jacob Widmer, sorry, Widner, after, out of Oral Roberts, that big left-handed kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throws real weird. Looks like Randy Johnson, but if I, he was stuck in a dungeon for a while. I think Antavaris. Um, <laughs> I think Antavaris like went out of his way to bring him up and talk about because he. I think he loves. He looks he's really like, good. Now I know he's a reliever, so you're like okay, but he I, he, he would would not surprise me if he's the quickest one to the majors either. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, because he looks really good and it's funky and he's huge and it's weird, but um. It's, I liked it when I saw it on video. <laughs> um, there's a lot of speculation that that money that they saved with uh, Blake Mitchell will go some to Walters, maybe some, maybe some to some others. But a lot of that people think will be used to uh, try and get the three high school players they took at the end of the draft uh, to, to sign. Now, the Royals did the same thing this year that they did last year, took three high school players at the end of the first round. Uh, what do you guys think of those prep players that they got at 17, eight or 18, 19 and 20? I like the picks. I don't think there's too many people that see Austin Charles and think you can do that every year. I don't think they're going to sign all three. Um, I think Andy Rogers newsletter today made it seem like they might not sign any of them. So uh, Stone Russell, He's a good. He's a catcher, but he's probably more of an infielder. He's committed to Florida. I don't know where Donovan Lasalle is committed, but he's got good right-handed power. It's a really nice swing. I thought I saw something the other day that said Lasalle was going to sign. That he's already told whatever college he was committed to that he's gonna he's gonna sign. 
If he does, I think the Royals will be happy if they sign one of the three. Uh, you're definitely not signing all three, I don't think. Yeah, but. I saw that thing on LaSalle, too. Um, I think uh, I, they, they only got two. They did the same thing with three high school players last year. They only got two of the three, one of the, whom in Charles they had to overslot pretty significantly. Uh, and then the other, I think they just paid that 125 I don't, uh, slot for 11. I don't think any of these guys is Austin Charles as far as the talent level coming in. Um, a couple of them might be more polished. I think I think LaSalle is a little bit more polished, but I don't think he has the athletic upside that, that Charles does. There aren't many that do. Um, and he's not 6'6". Six, six. He's not like a, a monster yeah. on the, the baseball <laughs> <laughs> Who can run a little bit and has a cannon, like, you know, 6'6", right. six, six playing shortstop. You don't see that every day, um, even at the high school level. Um, I liked LaSalle's swing a lot. I, I will say that. I, I liked the, the little bit of video I saw. I really liked the swing, but... Um, it's such a crapshoot with those guys, you know? Um, but if you get another Austin Charles and you overpaid what 400,000 or whatever, whatever it takes 300,000, then you, you, you did it. That's what the Royals kind of have to do. Teams like the Royals. Yeah. I will say with LaSalle, um, sorry, prep baseball report. Uh, they follow high schoolers. They put out like they're all PBR team this year and they had LaSalle on there with Walker Jen- Jenkins and Max Clark. So the talent's there. Um, but it's just a crapshoot, like you said. You know, who knows what's going to happen? See, I, I've, I've seen a little bit of video on LaSalle, too, and I, I just, that swing is very good to me. And he is, what well, he's not 6'6, but he is like 6'3. He's got like some levers to, to turn and get power on the ball. And you just wonder, like, over time, if he fills out, because he's still pretty skinny as a kid, uh, he really has a chance to put on some strength, some muscle, and has some athleticism. And so, it's a little bit of an odd approach to the draft that the Royals are, t- are taking. That's like, what we're going to do is we're going to underslot some guys early for guys you would never expect. And then we're going to do all this weird stuff. And at the very end, we're going to take a couple high school guys that we might overpay. And it's like, this is uh, unusual. They're not going to like take the money they saved and like try and get someone immediately at 11 or, you know, something like that. They're going to save it till the very end. Um, interesting uh, decisions, but they did work out last year. And, and Milo Rushford is another guy who's, uh, the second guy that they got, uh, that they were able to sign, who's performing pretty well down in surprise, I think. And so oh, he's killing it. Um, he's got over an 11 OPS right now. Yeah. Down there. So it's not just Austin Charles performing from that group. So they seem to be able to identify some guys, uh, at the prep level who have the athleticism and can make it happen. Um, anything else you guys want to share? Preston, I especially want to give you a chance. If you want to share anything about this draft class, that's been like eating at you or that you think might be interesting, go for it. Well, I think to your point, you know, the Royals are doing something different this year, last year, and whether it works out or not, I'm at least happy to see something different, right? I mean, the Rays built their model and it didn't work until it worked, right? So it's nice to see them at least have a strategy and implement it. Um, not every guy's going to pay off. Not every guy pays off for the Rays. Not every guy pays off for anybody, but it's a, it's at least nice to see that they have a plan. I think, you know, they spread out that money. They've gotten value late in the draft. You get David Sandlin in the 11th. Austin Charles late in the draft, Mila Rushford late in the draft. So I like the strategy. Um, it's just a lot of risk. And no matter what you do, if you take that much risk, people are going to be pretty unhappy. I think the only other guy that we didn't really touch on too much is Carson Rockford. I really like him. Yeah. He was their competitive balance B round guy. Um, I don't know if he's a five tool center fielder, like they say, but I really like the swing and he's probably going to stick in center field. Um, so I, I really like that pick. Um, he'll probably hit maybe low A later this year, but he'll at least see some time in surprise. So he's somebody I'm, I'm really looking for. 
Yeah, he was a guy I was kind of worried about when I first looked at him and looked at the numbers and stuff. But the more I've looked back on his, I think, sophomore year, if I'm not mistaken, sophomore year, um, he had a really sweet swing, like a really smooth power, like smooth power from the left side. I mean, it was it looked really, really good. And so I'm a little bit more excited about that. Looking forward to that a little bit more. Um, Yeah, overall for the draft, I'm. It's not a strategy that I would go with. Let's put it that way. Um, I would not be taking the risk that that the Royals are, but you know they don't pay me the money to do that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see. One, it'll be really interesting to see how the two years ago draft, all those high school guys they took early, how they de- continue to develop um, in Jensen and Caderna uh, Mazzucato. Thank you, Caderna Mazzucato. All those guys. That that will speak volumes to the development that has been put in place. And then when you can see what these guys can do kind of as they get into major league or into professional baseball, um, what they can do to develop. I did want to throw out there real quick because I know you're probably too uh, humble to do it, Preston. But if you have not checked it out, Preston put out a, a prospects guide. Um, he's put it out, I know, on Twitter. That's where I've seen it. So go check that out. It is phenomenal. It's the most in-depth thing that you'll see on the Royals, uh, on Royals prospects. So it, it's, it's a very, uh, cost effective. So you're not paying too much for this and you get a deep dive into lots of different players in the Royals minor league system. So go check that out. Uh, check out Preston's Twitter. Uh, you'll, you'll find the link to it there. Yeah. I appreciate that. I don't like to do the plug thing very much. It just seems weird <laughs> well, I, I have no problem doing it for you, my man. Uh, yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Preston. Your insight is uh, very much valued. Love following him on Twitter, Royals Miners. Just a, if you want to know anything about the Royals Minor Leagues, that that is the account you got to follow. We we mentioned Royals Farm Report a lot because they're, he's a good friend of ours and he does great stuff too. Preston also doing amazing stuff on minor leagues for the Royals. And it's a, just a ton of fun to follow every day. Uh, thank you so much, Preston. We'll get you back on here as soon as we can. All right. All right. Sounds good. I'm happy to come on whenever. Just let me know. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. The Royals get to stay home for four game for a four-game set against the Detroit Tigers this week before hopping on a plane to the Big Apple for three games against the New York Yankees. Yay! Yeah. Mike, tell us all about the Tigers. Oh, the Tigers. We're going to go play the Tigers again. We, we saw them not that long ago. And the, they are 41-51. and 51. Okay, so they're not, uh, not doing great, but that's not too bad. I think that's good enough for third in the uh, division. Am I wrong on that? I think so. I think they're third in the division. Um, Lyles will, and then game one there, we'll get, uh, Lyles against Matt Manning, a 25 year old right-handed pitcher from California, 3.72 ERA and a 1.03 whip. So a good whip this year. Uh, he's got a fastball in the mid or in the low to mid nineties, a slider, a curveball, a changeup. He doesn't throw the changeup very much. He gets very good vertical movement on his fastball. So that's kind of the thing that we're trying to start to see in Royals pitchers. He doesn't throw super hard, but he gets good vertical movement. He's got a really good slider um, and hitters are just hitting 0.074 against that slider. So look for him to lean pretty heavy on fastball slider combination, uh, leaving the change change up out there in game two to be a very interesting matchup of lefties. We'll have Daniel Lynch against Tarek Skubal, a guy that I've liked for several years now, 26 year old lefty. He's battled injuries. Um, he's out of Seattle university. Um, he's got a 0.00 ERA. Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, but he only has two starts because he's been hurt. Okay. So, <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Whip. <laughs> yeah. He's been hurt all year except for the just before the break. So, uh, Tark Scooble, I want to say Tark Scooble, he, he, 
he's a lefty. He comes from kind of an interesting uh, arm slot, but mid mid nineties uh, of the fastball, a good slider, a solid changeup. But he mixes up pitches very well. Curveball in there as well, sinker as well. Um, no pitch more than forty one percent of the time. Like we said, he only has two starts. He's only thrown eight total innings, so we'll see there. In that third game, we don't know the matchup. Looks like it's going to be maybe Ryan Yarbrough versus we don't know for the Tigers, and we don't know for the fourth game either. So, yeah, no, sorry, no, not a lot of great solid plans for this uh, first series. First, uh, and that Tigers starter might be out by Tigers. now. I wrote this outline many hours ago, so maybe it's been released at this point, but it was not out when I wrote the outline. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see on the third and fourth game there. Well, this is this is a series that you want the Royals to win because we're not going to be competitive in a lot of series, and this is one we should be competitive in. So, yeah, let's yeah, uh, let's hopefully. get a win. Let's grab some wins here. After the uh, Detroit Tigers at home, they'll head out to New York, where they face the Yankees, who are fifty and forty-four, which is only good enough for fourth in the AL East. It's weird oh because the way people are talking about the Yankees, they're like, "Well, this is such a disappointing season. This is an awful season. They can't do anything without Judge." He says, and because he's been hurt, Royals are uh, forty games under. I know games under (laughs) they're six game over and everybody's like buried them. Uh, Anyway, uh, and they've been buried in part because their pitching staff is real beat up. Uh, They're also underperforming to some degree, but uh, Cortez has been out for a significant period of time. They just, they they need a lot of, they still got Garrett Cole. They still have talent in that rotation. They've just been too hurt and too ineffective. And then the lineup is, isn't super deep behind judge. They got some guys pulling in, uh, you know, uh, OPS plus as well under, a hundred and stuff like that. And it gets harder when your lineup is just centerpieced by one guy and then he's hurt. And so you, then it really, you really start to struggle. Uh, so we'll see what they can do against the Yankees in, in uh, New York. That will be a tough one, regardless of how hurt they might be. It'll still be a difficult series. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our just a bit outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, I don't know. What, I see what your thing says, but I, it can't be something good about me. And so I'm just going to I'm just going to say, take it away, man. And we'll see what you end up saying. It is something good about you. I decided on the way weird. home that I would do a Mark appreciation tweet because I don't think the listeners necessarily know. It's not a tweet. We're gen- not on Twitter, you junkie. Sorry. My bad. Uh, yeah, I Mark gave me. By the way, in case oh. you aren't on there, go go check out <laughs> Threads. I'm I'm running the whole Threads account. It's insane. <laughs> it is okay? insane. What am I thinking? We're gonna Makes get shut no down. Sense. With the FCC. A bunch of fact errors. Any and shit day now. There. Any day now. I, the FBI is knocking down my door. Yeah. It, so I'm running the Threads <laughs> account. If you don't have a Threads account, go on there and just follow Royals Weekly because I'm just putting bonkers stuff out there. But anyway, on top of this, I I. Decided, hey, on the ride home, Mark and I played golf today with a couple of friends of ours. Um, I decided on the way home, you know, Mark does a bunch of stuff for this. And I realized that our listeners may not know how this podcast actually started. So I don't even know what year are we in. Is this the third year? This is the third year. I think this is year three. Okay. So this is our third year doing this podcast. Uh, We are coming up on 100 episodes, I think. Yeah, this is our 93rd episode. 93rd episode. So, um when this initially happened, I was a very busy human being and, um, Mark came to me and said, Hey, what do you think about doing a Royals podcast? And I immediately said, no, that's a bad idea. Not because it's a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. And I knew Mark could do the stuff to do it because he's got a kind of a background in, in, in this stuff. And, but I couldn't do it. Like I was too busy and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want extra work. And so I said, listen, I'll do it. 
if it just means showing up and talking about the Royals. That's all I want to do. I already watch most of the games anyway. You know, I follow the draft a little bit. I follow the minors a little bit, but I didn't want to have to do any work. And so literally Mark has done it all. All of this is done by Mark. He writes the outline. He edits the podcast. He runs all of the social media except for threads now. (laughs) He makes the videos. He does all this stuff. And so this is just my Mark appreciation just a bit outside. Thank you for doing all this stuff. And it has been tremendously fun doing it. We had our most watched probably episode last week with our live coverage of the draft. Big thank you to uh, Joel and Alex for coming and joining us for those things. Um, And so I wanted to just shout you out and say, hey, you did a great job. You suck sometimes, but uh, you did a great job with it was a great idea. And I've had a lot of fun doing it for these uh, two and a half years. And I look forward to having a lot more fun. I'll do this till I die. I mean, uh, you guys see I'm. I'm enjoying a beverage. We just got done golfing. I didn't have to really do anything. I just sat down and talked. Um, and it's nice. So thank you for doing all the work and letting me come on and talk about the Royals. That was very nice. Thank you. That feels very, very good. It actually does take a tremendous amount of uh, time and effort to uh, put all this together and put everything out. Mostly the social media takes a lot of time. Uh, but anyway, um, yes, thank you so much. I'm going to talk a little bit about something uh, that I've experienced in the last week that is good and bad, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. But uh, two of my favorite television shows came out with new seasons this last week. And I was super excited to watch them. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, I have two new shows. I can watch these things. What yeah. are they? Uh, they are The Witcher is one of them. Oh, which, my God. They're still making that? Okay. The audience. <laughs> it's it's a hit, man. It's a big hit. Anyway. Um <laughs> The Witcher, which the no, audience will already know. Yes, it is. <laughs> which the audience will already know that I watch. Uh, but also Jack Ryan, the uh, Amazon mm. show that's starring uh, John Krasinski. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's um, a good one. And so I watched them. But you know what I found out? They didn't release the whole season. They've hit the point in streaming where they've stopped releasing all this stuff. They're keeping me from binge watching an entire season they've of taken The Witcher. It, they've or made it cable. It's ridiculous. I don't, that's the thing. I don't like that. I liked that streaming was I could sit there and watch 10 episodes of a thing for 10 hours in a day. Yes. Is it bad for me? Is it bad for my mental health? Is it bad for me as a person? Of course it is. But I still love doing it. And so let me do it. I, I, I don't want to wait a month for the second four episodes of the Witcher to come out or however long until the next four episodes of Jack Ryan come out. I want them now. See streaming made me want things instantly. And then it took the instantness away and I don't like that. Okay. So just give me all of it at one time. That's all I'm asking for. Um, you know, what's wild. They, they, what? they, you've heard of the bear, the show, the bear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Morgan, my wife, uh, Morgan, she's really into uh, that show which she tried to get me into it. She goes, Hey, come watch this show. It's a comedy. That show oh, is a comedy. Sh- no, like freaking no. Schindler's list is a comedy. Okay. No, that show no. is not a comedy. That uh-uh. show, I know comedies. The central thing of it that got show an award. Like, it got an Emmy for like oh, best yeah. comedy. Are you crazy? Comedy? No, no. That show no. should only get an award for like its whole purpose is just to induce stress in the watcher. I know. Like, it makes me feel like, like stress anxious. and anxiety. Like you're supposed to take uh-huh. on the. No, no, thank you. I've had enough Can't of that do in it. my life. Can't do it. No, thank but you. But you know what they did? They dropped every episode of that of this new season. And I heard people like it, it blew up on, on, on uh, social media. And I was like, I didn't realize there was that big of a following for it. I knew Morgan liked it. I knew it was going to get a bunch of awards because the guy who's the lead actor is he phenomenal. Is very, he is a very oh, good He actor. is a super talented human being. Um, but then there were people going like, why did they do this? They could have dominated 
the, all the fucking headlines for weeks and weeks and weeks if they'd have dropped an episode at a time. And I think that's what they're doing now, which yeah, is terrible and awful. It, it what's honestly what I actually I actually appreciate them doing one weekly more than I appreciate the here's four. We'll give you another four in six months. Yeah, I, take, I don't like that like, either. Either give me all of them at one time or just drop them weekly. I've been watching Platonic weekly as they come out. And I can and live I will with say, that. I went and watched that. It is it is pretty good. It is. It's it great, is. right? It's yeah. great, right? Yeah. I got it's the good. taste. Get it together, streaming services. Royals, I, I'd ask you to get it together, but I just know that we're not even we're not even there right now. Uh, but we will be back next week, regardless of how well or poorly they play, to talk more about the Royals. Thank you so much to Preston Farr for joining us. We'll be back. Join us when we come back. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs>